<laughs> yeah, Cass. It's lit up from the tits up Tuesday. <laughs> Can't get enough. Titular Tuesday. This is titular Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> it's the come up. We're Trinity and Finney. Let's get freaky deaky. <laughs> this month whoa well we're still venus and scorpio and it's mars day mm. you know venus and scorpio <laughs> what is venus and scorpio yeah i talked about that last week too um scorpio naturally rules the eighth house which is death taxes other people's resources mm. sometimes sex but sex in more of like deep dynamics almost what you'd think of as like the kink and fetish world i think mm. is scorpionic sex um, so Venus and Scorpio tends to be very Plutonic because Scorpio is um, traditionally um, Pluto ruled as well as Mars. So it tends to bring up all of our darkest, deepest things in relationships, which mm. are not always easy. Ay, ay, ay. Um, you know, when things come to the surface, uh, Pluto is the great unearther. Mm. Um, but as I said, that role is just as important as any in the universe, you know, yeah. to be able to... Um, go find the pearls through all the dirt you gotta look through the mud Absolutely. you know what i mean i love the exorcism of it all yeah you know when you're in it you're just like this is the worst and then on the other side you're like oh, i guess i needed that oh, yeah. <laughs> I, i've learned actually over time and with trusting partners that it's actually not the worst to be in it you know yeah. it, it used to be avoid that territory right. at all costs when you know in my previous relationships yeah but kind of knowing that we know how to navigate and that we're willing to and that it's like like, I always have to tell you and remind you, and I hope we don't have to keep doing this. It's like, our shit ain't that fragile. Yeah. Like, we're going to get into it. It's okay. Yeah. Like, the, especially you and I, for oh, some yeah. reason. Well, I was going to say, we have, <laughs> with Sinistry, we all have a very plutonic relationship. Um, and it bodes well for us because we all happen to be people that love transfiguration and transformation. It's also because we have strong Pluto placements. Um, like, we have Pluto and Scorpio, you and I. Um, which is, you know, one of its strongest placements in the sky. Um, and so I think w we have less of a problem than most people with change and with the burning away, like you say, because um, we want to be purified. You know, we all want to be better. Um, but yeah, we definitely have a very plutonic um, relationship. I mean, you have a plutonic way of loving because you have Venus in the eighth house natally. Mm -hmm. You may have Venus in Leo, but it's in your eighth house of death. And well, what about my, what, my style of loving is plutonic, you know? Well, I mean... Uh, Venus in the eighth house, you are so psychically connected to all of your partners, which all of us already are anyways, but um, to a point that can be painful, right? Like there's no hiding anything. And I think that's becoming more and more true for oh, every yeah. dynamic as we're all becoming more psychically connected as a collective, but um, most certainly, and your partner to partner dynamics. And um, so you're always kind of like grave digging and, uh, yeah. you know, hey, I'm, I'm you're taking the trash out for sure. And we love it. I'm, I'm, that's, that's what I do. I'm tidying up. Um, Let's not let this become a mess that yeah. we can't tidy up. Like, you know what? It's like Cass's five minute rule. Like we can't let it get yeah. so messy. We can't clean yeah. it up in five minutes. Yeah. Well, it's that, like our life. Yeah. 
Well, that's like with um, Scorpio or Venus and Scorpio being the secrets card. It's like kind of like you want to unearth those secrets. Because if you, you could let them brood, then all of a sudden a little molehill of a secret becomes a mountain. Yeah. It, well, in Venus and Scorpio, it seems like you can't, um, you can't look away from them anymore because mm-hmm. they're coming to the surface, you know, and especially because we have some Mercury angles on that too. It adds that extra investigating energy. Oh, sure. You know, Hermes on the ground with his scuba suit on going into the depths yeah. for Pluto. But yeah, you having Venus in the eighth house, I also think it's like love changes you. The way that you express love and the way that it resonates back at you is the thing that's like most transfiguring to you. And Cass has that as well. Um, Cass doesn't have Venus in oh, the eighth. Okay. Yeah. I'm Venus in the twelfth. I'm She's like Venus the dissolution the of love. Yeah. Very. Um, yeah. If you have Venus in the twelfth, I guess I'll talk about that too. I don't want to overwhelm people with astrology at all. I'm just who a gives a fuck if, if you're fucking overwhelmed. Like, I, <laughs> I think you can. I think you can learn by stretching yourself a little bit and hear. It's like it's like you watching just have to foreign hear it language. Again and again and again. It's like watching foreign language TV. Like all of a sudden you're like, oh, I speak Spanish. I mean, I never did that, but <laughs> yes. I think it happens like that. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, the sixth house, which is Virgo run, the eighth house, which is uh, Scorpio run, and then the twelfth house are these um, three houses known as like malefic houses or harder, harder ship houses, which is generally why I think like, and I shouldn't put it in a hierarchy like this, but generally like Pisces stories, Virgo stories, and Scorpio stories tend to like be a little bit more hard and have a little bit more hardship on them. And the twelfth house specifically has to do with um, so, like self-desolation it is where the ego naturally dissolves into the collective but it can do a lot with um self-sabotage um and institutions and general imprisonment as well and that's why i say um with me having my moon in the 12th house having being imprisoned literally by my own mother is like a very extreme but pretty poetic expression of that wow and to have your venus there um there, the way that you want to express love is through dissolving your own ego into the collective. And that feels like love to you. And so these very like defined um, like styles of fashion or whatever it would be with maybe having Venus and whatever other house for you feel very oppressive. And it feels like that's not love. Like the more that you assert this like individuated separatist ego, it feels less loving to you. Well, the dr- most dramatic, uh, I think, cotton conflict of it would be like venus in the first house which is like using your body to show love and like my body i've always been like all right i'm gonna cover this up as much as possible exactly and and when we met each other and i have venus in the first she has venus in the 12th she was not sure about her rising sign because of co-star and all these like different systems that people are using um and that was one of the easiest things because venus to me is one of the easily readable things and people once you get to know them was like oh no you definitely have venus in the 12th because you you definitely are not writing this story and trying to run this story of like people need to see love through my body it's quite the opposite with you you know you're beautiful but it's not the way that you necessarily want to be seen you know um and yeah we have lots of like prominent 12th health placements with our friends it's behind the veil you know pisces rules everything that's unseen in the sleeping realm and stuff um and so it again is very like psychically um you know strong place maybe is there something about people who maybe have 12th house placements being like attracted to psychedelic exploration. Definitely. 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 Absolutely. Joey has his son in the 12th house. I'm almost positive. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Shout out to Joey. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, He'll sit down on one of these as, weeks yeah. with us. As long as we're going deep in astrology today, I think yeah. we should speak up to Mars and Mars being in Libra right now. Yeah. Um, which I have as well natally, which is the choice card. I'll hold it up. Yeah. It's a good one. Um, so Mars is um, in detriment <laughs> it, 
technically in Libra, which means he has a hard time operating our driving force, our passion, because um, Libra being this, uh, the only inanimate object of the Zodiac, the only thing without actual heartbeat. Um, what is a Libra? Scales. Oh. Weighing and balancing. And so there can be a lot of this feeling of like being bound with your two feet um, because every passion that you have, you're able to see the other side of the coin of the passion. Oh, you know, yeah. so it's, it's, it's hard to, we get along well with Libras, I think personally, because they're the, they're the, they're the um, get along gang. Libras are the get along gang. Yeah. Those are our bubble buddies. <laughs> the bubble buddies. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when Mars is in Libra, um, it's a little bit of a different energy trying to shake it up. And I was giving the example of AOC and I both share, um, both of these things, which I'll is Mercury and here. Mars and Libra and, um, Mars and Libra. A lot of people talk about being, uh, Mars in an art gallery and um, AOC wearing that dress to the Met Gala saying tax the rich is a very beautiful expression of Mars and Libra, which is through fashion and love and these Venusian things, which Libra is ruled by Venus. Um, Martian, this Mars, this militant separatist energy is coming through and saying something a little bit um, corrosive, right, to the things around it. And I thought that was really pretty beautiful. She's also, she has so many of these like quick snapbacks, which is very like Mercury conjunct Mars and Libra mm. and fighting for what's right because Libra is all about justice and the scales of balance and making sure there's fairness out in the world. And that's why I think generally Libra energy, when you meet them, it's like, they want things to be fair and to get along. So totally. it's a little bit easier. I, I wish she wasn't so full of shit. <laughs> she serves a purpose. But I don't, I don't know if she's I, uh, full of shit as much as like the whole system is. Yeah. And it just like, God, you see this, this pure thing, this 28-year-old right. fucking girl, right. really, like right. a bartender right. gets put on this national stage. She unseated a guy that had had that, that Congress, that, that seat in Congress for 30 years. She comes in here with all this fucking stuff and then it's just like can't get it done and like starts to back off of like some stuff and it used to be abolish ice and free Palestine and like that stuff is just gone now and she's besties with Nancy Pelosi. It's just ugh, Yeah, yeah. No, I mean the like yeah, it's hard to be fully supportive of anything happening in politics because it's just like the way that it's set up is seems innately devilish. Mm-hmm in all of it it's so much compromise it's so much compromise well it makes me think it's not i don't want to say it is aquarian but just thinking about that balance between like fighting for the individual but being a part of the collective and just like you're talking about making movies yesterday on monday like there is always this balance of like oh god like i have all of these pressures that be to serve right and Mm. i'm a part of the system and i have to serve that system in order to serve the other things you know yeah um yeah, and having to fight for individuation in between all those things. Yeah, I mean, w- when we're making movies, it's like, it's like we're 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 serving like we're kind of serving a vision that I had to start, but then like once once we have a crew, then it's like, well, this is the uh, like this is the collective bigger vision for you. us, and then we get a subject involved, and that's when it becomes sacred. Yeah, bigger it's, than it, you, way bigger. It's yeah. like I'm not the person in front of the yes. camera bearing my soul. Yes. And, the generosity of those people feels like what I'm serving in in post when totally. I'm sitting there with Kathy, our editor, and we're just like, how do we make this person come across in the best, most entertaining, loving, compassionate way possible, you know? Well, that's why it was so funny. We were looking at human design, which is such a, its own portal yeah. beyond astrology. It kind of like takes pieces of astrology. And, and the I Ching and um, Kabbalah and uh, yeah, a couple other things they combined. Yeah, and you're like a projector, so it just makes sense, like as a director, that you are like kind of projecting people's essences, literally out into the universe. Wow. Yeah, it's yeah. 
<laughs> I love it. <laughs> it. It's so crazy because my, my whole artistic career, I've been serving all of these gods that I really didn't even know about. And I've, I've made it about like little quirks and like, oh, I have OCD. So I yeah. want things to look and feel. So it's just like, no, I'm actually serving gods. And like, this is why, like, as someone that's new to all this stuff, I really suggest like you look into this, you figure out what you are. Are you a generator or a projector yeah. or a reflector or whatever? Yeah. And, and look into your natal chart because it's like, it's fucking, it's a fascinating overlay on life that yeah. can actually help you predict how certain things are going to feel and how you're going to behave and how, uh, how you might act and how people are going to react to you. Yeah. And you are a God and the universe exists inside of you. And I think with languages like astrology, you have to have everything through the lens of everything is everything. And it is a language at which you're understanding that everything is everything, mm. you know? Um, and I think, um, on top of gods that may be artistic gods out in the universe, which I definitely think that there are, and then the gods of your ancestors trying to thrust their own will onto everything. These gods, these planetary bodies out in the universe, like circulating us and heating up different parts of our brain and cooling down other parts of our brain, you're serving whether you think you are or not. Right. And so it's um, really just like a map, or um, a map probably is not the best analogy, but some sort of toolbox for um, being able to serve them in the ways at which you want to serve them because you're going to serve. <laughs> you right. know, I think it's you got to serve somebody. You got to serve somebody in this lifetime. It's one of my favorite. Yeah. Tuesday's <laughs> my favorite God service day because you you're, you're which collaborating with Mars, which is hilarious because uh, her planetary, the biggest pulling um, planet in her chart is Mars. Sorry, continue. Oh wow. Oh well, I guess that's the God I'm serving. So yes. I'm like, everybody, today's the day. <laughs> Get out there and serve God, whatever God it is, your art God, your family God. Yeah. Your, yeah. And, um, yeah, Pluto talking about Pluto too. Like that's, we can't really, he's, he's a part of our solar system, but like, not really like he's on these outer edges and he sort of like dips into being part of the uh, like larger gravitational forces. And that's how I think about plutonic energy. A lot of the time is like, it's always on the outer edge and you can't see it and it's in the darkness, but every once in a while he comes into orbit to affect all of the other planets. Mm. Um, and of course he always is without you seeing him. But I think that visualization is really interesting too. Just like how Saturn is the last planet that we can visually see um, and therefore represents the constructs of reality. And like I was saying in our group text the other day, we used to think as astrologers that Saturn represented reality because in the collective consciousness at that time, we didn't understand the even more outer planet Neptune is actually the deeper reality, which is primordial chaos. And that this inner planet of Saturn that's holding this false structure for you to exist in and breathe in um, is actually the illusion. And as mm. Saturn changes and Saturn yourself and um, everybody's relationship, that's like why our relationship to reality changes and why each of our realities are, um, are literally our own because you have your own Saturn. And so you have your own construct you're putting up against everybody else's construct which is an illusion and the more that you can dip into neptune which you and i have very strong neptune placements um into the primordial chaos can you really blur those illusions of structure mm -hmm. um into the no, no wonder uh, politicians can't get anything done <laughs> like, like for real like you're, you're trying to serve the needs of 350 million people and it's like it different 350 million different realities literally literally yeah. literally yeah, and I like, yeah, different realities and different traditions and um, different religions. And um, I like that, you know, like magic is coming to the forefront of our brain in the collective consciousness. Mm. Um, 
because magic different than these systems of politics is very um, entrepreneurial as an idea. Mm. It's sort of not bowing to a hierarchical system um, of beliefs, but it's saying I'm going to use my own system of trial and error to see if I can get any palpable um, causality to happen between these invisible forces, which I somehow think I can have an interaction with. Yeah. And I guess, as I said, you could do it like we used to do back in the olden days with hermetics where you're just using astrological magic and using the natural, I would say natural forces that be with the planets. Um, or there's also a distinction between using um, the spiritual realm, which um, is bigger even and has even more bodies than the planetary bodies. So anyways, there's a lot going on in the multiverse. Should I read something? <laughs> from? Already an episode I need to listen to twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, listen to this episode a couple of times. That's how good she is. I could, uh, I could read something from this ritual magic book. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't know what this book is or how we ended up with it. I think someone might have given it to mm -hmm. us. It, it like kind of looks like a children's book. It's called Ritual Magic, What It Is and How to Do It by Donald Tyson. But... um. The first two paragraphs of this is pretty good. Ready? I'm ready. It says, what is magic? People who begin to study a particular aspect of ritual magic often have a very poor understanding of how their own practices fit into the general scheme of Western occultism. They lack a historical context that would provide a perspective on their beliefs and techniques. They also lack a theoretical understanding that would allow them a firm sense of why they are doing a given ritual action. They tend to believe that their chosen occult tradition is the only real or significant tradition. Generally, they lack any notion of the way their magic has descended from other paths and still retain the influence of those paths. Yeah. This is true even of occultists that have been working within a particular magic tradition for years. This book is designed to remove the psychological blinders from the eyes of those who are seriously interested in magic yet cannot see beyond the horizon of their own beliefs and experience. It integrates practical Western occultism, shows its evolution through history from its ancient roots, and reveal the, the cross-currents of influence that flow between the major modern systems. Cool. Hell yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, and I um, magic has always just been something I think that people you just lump everything that you can't describe and everything that can't exist in the material realm into magic. And I mean, when Newton first came out with gravitational physics, everybody thought that was magic, mm. right? In the 16th, 17th century, because he was talking about invisible forces and everybody was like, you're fucking wild, man. <laughs> yeah. And um, of course now it's, it's basic science and that's how continually science will continue to pull from magic. And now we're at this huge head with quantum um, physics because everybody's understanding that the material realm is is causal yeah. by the spiritual realm or whatever the hell but is magic not uh, science yeah it is um and it mm. used to be the same thing at the um you know it used to be one and the same and then during the renaissance um it split when people started to prioritize more of a masculine um system of thought when people started drinking fucking coffee when people started <laughs> drinking coffee yeah they were like fuck it. yeah we got to separate these things <laughs> um, yeah well and also um because magic is such a self-empowering thing and you're running experiments um with the forces that be and with these forces that can make you so much more powerful it's not random that um the greater systems of politics demonized magic and said that it was all of this like you know either it didn't work and it was stupid or it was um like satanic witchcraft you know that's how they got it out of the collective because when you really um when you let people look into magic and all of its power like 
it um, it kind of disempowers the other systems that be. Oh, it right? erodes all institutions it, that it, are currently holding it, power. Exactly. So it's not <laughs> random that it, during that time, it also in the public eye, um, very intentionally, um, just got thrown out. With, you know. Mm. We should pick up on this theme tomorrow, yeah. Witchy Wednesday. We are gonna pick up on this theme. Yeah, on we Wednesday. we should because I think we have some stuff about witches and stuff, and uh, yeah, I don't know. We've already done our show today, and it was a goddamn pleasure. And I'm glad to start the morning with you. A little ritual that we have where we talk shit together. <laughs> it's my favorite ritual because I don't. I'm actually. I don't love like structuring rituals all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. I like to fall into ritual. I like to think that my life is an accidental ritual, a moment to moment. It is. You know? <laughs> I like that. That's really beautiful. It fits more with uh, my. All is sacred. Nothing is wasted. Mm, everything is everything. Everything is everything. Thanks, y'all. We'll see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. Hasta mañana. <laughs>